You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Well, today we are back in our series in Acts, and we are in part number 17. And if you're here and you're just visiting and maybe um, you're new to the Bible, we're so glad that you're here. But the book of Acts is found in the New Testament, and it really is the story of the early church. So if you've ever wondered, what, um, what is with this thing called church? Where did it come from, and like, why is it the way it is right now, and, and, and what is it? Why is it so important? Why do people put so much emphasis on the church? Well, look no further than the book of Acts where we discover this, and what we see in the book of Acts is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that he has risen from the grave, he's no longer dead, he's, he's alive, he's well, he's king, the good news is traveling all over the Mediterranean. And what started with only a Jewish audience has now spread to a non-Jewish audience, which the Bible calls Gentiles, okay? So this message is spreading, and more and more people are becoming uh, followers, believers in Jesus. Now, today we're going to be in Acts chapter 13, and uh, I'm going to move a little quick, but I'm probably going to go over our time, just so you know, because I've got a lot to cover. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 13 this morning, and um, before we do that, why don't we just dive in to prayer, and then we'll get into the rest of our message. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for everything that's coming up this summer at Radiant Church and Father, I pray that this church would, uh, Lord, would indeed vacation, but not vacation from you, God. I pray, God, that many would be involved in our outreach this summer. I pray that the light of Christ would, would just spread further and further and further as a result of our outreach, as a result of things that we do this summer, God, uh, as a result of us inviting more people to worship this summer. Uh, Father, we just pray that you would do great and mighty things in our church uh, this summer, God. Lord, would you um, soften hardened hearts? And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would unlock um, deaf ears and open blind eyes so that we can see you and hear you and begin to actually put into practice, Lord, what you say in the book. Not just hear it, but really apply it. And when we do that, God, we'll have our lives transformed forever. And so we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus, all God's people said, amen. Okay, so here's what I want to do um, today as we begin. We're going to go right into the biblical text, and I want us to start off in the last verse of Acts chapter 12, which I believe is verse number 25. So if you have a Bible, join me. If not, I want you to pay attention to the screen. This verse will be important, even though it seems, um, you know, minute, it really is important. Here's what it says. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now, leave that verse up there, if you will, for just a few moments. Let me give you some context, because I know some of you are thinking, I don't really know what this means, okay? So let me fill you in on what's going on right now. You see, Barnabas and Saul were actually in Antioch, and a little later in our message, I'll show you a map of Antioch. It's in northern Syria. And in northern Syria, in the city called Antioch, 
they have started a church. Barnabas is the encourager, and Saul used to be a persecutor of the church. They're there, and they're doing ministry together, and they're partners in the ministry. And there's a famine in the land right now. There's a famine in the Roman world under the reign of Emperor Claudius, okay? Now, because of that famine, the church in Antioch wants to send a financial gift to the church in Jerusalem. But guess what? They can't just go online, you know, how we give online, radiantbc.com, drop-down menu. Okay, I'm going to give my tithe, give my offering, give to the Lord. Well, they can't do that. So they have to actually send the gift with real people. So Barnabas and Saul take off from Antioch all the way down from Syria into, of course, all the way down to Jerusalem. And they bring this financial gift. I don't know how much they give, but they give to the church there to help the believers in Jerusalem. Now, John Mark, this guy named John Mark, is there in Jerusalem. So they, hey, John Mark, you want to join us? We're going to go back to Antioch. Would you like to join us? We're about to embark on a great adventure, and we're going to spread the gospel to Gentiles. John Mark is like, I'm in. Let's go. So they take John Mark with them. Now, in the Bible, I understand this. Names can be kind of confusing, right? Because in the ancient world, it was quite common that people had two names. It's kind of silly, right? But it's true. People had two names. So John Mark, his, um, his Hebrew name would have been um, Jahanin or Jahanine, and that was his Hebrew name, right? And then his Greek name would be Marcos or Mark, hence the name John Mark. Now, here's what we also see in Acts chapter 13. Who else has two names? Well, Saul does, right? Saul has a Hebrew name. It's Saul, okay? He also has a Roman name, and that is Paul. Now, in verse number nine, I believe, you will see that from now on, Saul will be called Paul. Why is that? Why now? Well, here's the thing. They're taking the gospel, remember, to the Roman world, to a Gentile world. So his name is going to be Paul now. They're going to call him Paul because that would make it much more acceptable for Paul. Doors would be open for him. Why? Because of his name. They would discover, oh, he's kind of like us. He has the same kind of name like we do. Maybe we can listen to him when he talks about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we'll see Saul go to Paul in Acts chapter 13. Let's go right to 13 now, beginning in verse number one. Here's what it says. <clears throat> now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. So remember, this was now becoming an established church. It was a very pagan city, though, okay? Lots of deities were worshipped, okay? But there are leaders now established in the church. And Luke is going to give us a little glimpse of those leaders. Barnabas, of course, we know Barnabas. He's the encourager. Simeon, called Niger, um, literally, that, that literally means dark or the black man. He was, he was an African, okay? Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, Tetrarch, and Saul. We have a very diverse group of people, if you haven't figured that out yet here, in the leadership of this church, okay? Different ethnicities who had become believers in Jesus Christ, followers of him. Verse number two, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, so they were abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose, okay, not just to get shredded, not just to get six-pack abs, okay, but to hear from God, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul 
for the work to which I have called them. This is incredible. They're fasting, right? Worshiping, which, by the way, is an amazing foundation. If you want to hear from God, you need the word of God, of course. But you, you can also set yourself apart by fasting. And when you empty yourself uh, of physical things, right, it's amazing how you'll be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, I want you to set apart Barnabas and Saul. I've got an assignment for them, okay? So after they had fasted and prayed, what happens? They placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. Okay, let's talk about these verses for just a few moments, okay? So here's what happens in Acts 13. The center of Christianity used to be Jerusalem and the person of Peter. But now that lens is shifting away from those guys, from Jerusalem and from Peter. And now that lens is going to be pointed towards where? Antioch and Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, I should say, right? Paul. All right, so we're seeing that taking place literally right now. And I love this because they hear from the Lord, they hear from the Holy Spirit to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work that he's called them to. And I love this because this gives us a, an amazing sort of definition or theological framework for missions. Now, whether you do missions right here in Bay City or whether you do missions, you know, in, in China or, or Asia, wherever it is, I think this gives us a, a really good sort of theology of missions, right? Because did you notice that Barnabas and Paul are not Lone Rangers? You know what a Lone Ranger in ministry is? A Lone Ranger in ministry is someone who does work outside of the local church, but they're never rooted in a local church. Mm, 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 right? They do work outside of the local church, but they're never rooted in the local church. And I think that's just really unwise. I think it's super unhealthy. I think it's dangerous. I just, I don't think it's good at all. I don't think it's good at all, okay? And I think, here's what we see in the scripture. We see that Barnabas and Paul, they're not Lone Rangers, right? They're not Lone Rangers. They're rooted in the church. They're blessed by the church, and they're sent out by the church. Come on, someone. Amen? If you want to do missions here in Bay City, phenomenal. Let us pray for you. Let us bless you. Let us send you out. Be rooted in the church. If you want to do missions in China, phenomenal but be rooted in the church. Don't be a lone ranger. A lone ranger has no accountability. A lone ranger thinks that there's no church good enough for them in all of Bay City, all of Bay County. I guess I just got to do my own thing. I'm so holy. I guess I can't be under any sort of, uh, any under, any, uh, sort of leadership, right? So Paul and Barnabas, they are not lone rangers, right? You might think, well, the greater ministry is outside of the church. That's fine. Okay, that's fine right? What we do here is nothing, I guess, if that's you. But if you're not rooted in a local church, guess what? You are a lone ranger, and I think you're doing it backwards, okay? Let's keep going. As they continue to reach more people, they face opposition. Literally, they face demons. Literally, demons are coming after these guys, okay? Satanic opposition. That's why you should sign up, men, for spiritual conflict, because if you don't know what that is, you need to learn what that is, right? And each time, what we discover is that God is faithful. Listen, he's faithful to preserve their lives, and the gospel message continues to spread. Now, this got me thinking. This got me thinking. And here's the phrase I want to tell you. Go ahead and put that up. It says this, the church never thrives in times of comfort, but always grows through opposition. Right? The church never thrives in times of comfort. 
okay? But it always grows through opposition, right? I get it. You like easy. I like easy, too. You like comfortable. I like comfortable. You like convenience. I like convenience, too. We all like those things. We can agree. We like, we buy the most comfortable sofa. We buy, we try to get the nicest car that we can with our money, right? We don't buy the crappiest car. We buy the nicest car, right? Because we want comfortable, right? The only problem with that that we see that we know of is that it's not good for the church, right? It's not good for the church because here's what happens. When things are good, when things are easy, when things are comfortable, listen, the church gets lazy. The church grows lazy and our muscles atrophy. Our muscles atrophy. We're not serving. We're not giving. We're not just, we're not doing anything, okay? We barely can make it to church because everything's too easy in the culture. But if you've looked like outside of the church, you know, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you that, <laughs> I mean, things are just unraveling right now, right? I mean, it, like the world is going to hell in the handbasket, okay? I just say it, right? Everything is just unraveling, right? And that may freak some of us out. That may, that may, you may be tempted to push the panic button, but don't push the panic button. You know why? Because right now is the perfect environment for the church to grow and thrive. That's the, the, the perfect environment. We actually don't need easy. What we need is pressure. Because something happens when the church experiences pressure. It causes us to get to our knees and pray. It causes us to be strengthened. It causes us to what? To lean in to what God is doing in the church, right? And we need that, okay? The world is falling apart, and we know this. And while it is bad, it's also good for the church because that means more and more people will become disillusioned with what the world has to offer them, right? So the church never grows when things are easy, when life is good, okay? I want to show you a map really quick. This kind of summarizes Acts chapter 13 and 14. And um, leave that up there for just a few moments, of course. I want to just uh, take you on a journey for just a few seconds. Um, we're not going to read 70 verses. You should read all of it, though, okay? Let me be clear in that. But I want to help summarize a lot of this because I only have so much time. I want you to notice Syria on the map. It's on your right-hand right side over here. And that is where the church in Antioch is. And that is where Paul and Barnabas are sent from. Now, notice where they go. They first go down toward the island of Cyprus, towards a city called uh, Salamis. They go further into that island to Paphos. And then after Paphos, they're going to travel up through ship north to modern-day Turkey to a region called Pamphylia, or it's a city called Persia, okay, a city called Persia. Now, when they're in Persia, it's pretty amazing. They go into a synagogue, and they begin to teach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So many people are so intrigued by the gospel message, listen, that they, that they want to hear more. They want to hear more. So they tell Paul and Barnabas, listen, will you guys come back on the next Sabbath and teach? Paul and Barnabas are like, yeah, of course we will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? So the next Sabbath comes around, and check this out. You can read it for yourself. Luke says the whole city shows up to hear Paul and Barnabas. The whole city. That's crazy, right? That is wild, right? Can you imagine if all of Bay City showed up to a church service here, right? Well, they wouldn't fit in this little small building, right? But we'd have service outside. We got a pretty big field there, okay? And somebody would give me a microphone. Probably James would rig it up for me. I know he would, right? And 34,000, 35,000 people 
perhaps would hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing, right? So amazing things are happening there. Now they go further up to Sidian Antioch, and then they head, uh, they head east to Iconium, uh, Lystra, and Derby. And then essentially what they do is they circle back all around, and they head back to Antioch when they're all done, okay? This is an incredible missionary journey. But what I want to do is I want to just, for the next maybe 10 minutes, you're going to get out late, so just hold on tight. I'm just telling you right now, okay? What I want to do is I want to spend time focusing on what happens in Persia, because it's really important. So let's go there right now. Acts 13, verse number 13, it says this. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Persia in Pamphylia. Persia is the city. Pamphylia is the region where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Okay? Leave that up there for a moment. This is really important. I know you don't, you don't see it right now, but I'm going to show you. Who's John? John Mark. That's who. Remember John Mark? He came from Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas said, hey, come with us. We're going to go back to Antioch, and then we're going to head out. John Mark joins them. But check this out. When Paul and Barnabas are in Persia, what does John do? He goes back home. He goes back home. Now, the text doesn't tell us why he does this, okay? Now, I've read several commentaries on this passage of Scripture, and there's no really conclusive data to, as to why John Mark decides to go home. But there is some speculation. There is some speculation, right? There's some spe speculation. Perhaps he got sick. Okay, legitimate reason maybe, right? Perhaps he wasn't a fan of Paul's leadership, right? He's just like, man, Paul, you're always trying to tell me what to do. I'm out of here, right? Perhaps, okay? Maybe um, it was like the possibility of, of fear. It, there was more fear. There was more danger. And he was like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think this is for me. Things are getting too dangerous. Um, I'm heading out, you guys, right? Here's what we do know, okay? Whatever causes the, the defection... John Mark did something so serious, listen, that Paul doesn't, he no longer wants him a part of the team. He doesn't want him a part of the team. And let me show you. After the fact, when they come back home, this is in Acts chapter 15, let me show you. Here's what it says, 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, okay, so that they want to go back, go back to all the cities they ministered to. Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and visit the believers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas is like, okay, cool. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it wise to take him. Why, church? It says this, because he, he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark Okay, and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and he left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, something, something, strengthening the churches, okay? Okay, so check this out. This is so interesting because Paul's like, hey, Barnabas, I want to go back to where we were, and I want to go back to those cities, and I want to see how the pastors are doing. I want to check in on them, and Barnabas is like, yeah, I'm in, man. Okay, like, let's take John Mark with us. Paul's like, whoa, 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 no, 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 uh-uh, 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 nope, uh-uh. What do you mean? Persia, remember Persia? Yeah, I remember Persia. 
Yeah, he, 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 he deserted us, remember? He took off. Remember when it was getting pretty heavy, it was getting like, things were getting dangerous? What does John Mark do? Yeah, he took off. I don't, I, no, no. Barnabas is like, hey, hey, man, you need, to have, you need to have some grace, man. You need to have some grace. Paul's like, no. Mm-mm. He lost his opportunity. Barnabas is like, fine. All right, if that's the way you see it, then I'm gonna take John Mark and I'm gonna go my way. Paul's like, fine. I'm gonna take Silas and I'm gonna go my way. There's such a sharp disagreement that these brothers in ministry say we're parting ways now. They're going separate ways. But the disagreement is rooted where? It's rooted in the actions of John Mark, okay? Now I wonder, listen, I wonder if Mark simply chose at that time to do what was easy, what was most convenient, and what was most, what was most comfortable. I'm not sure, but I wonder, right? I wonder if John Mark said, you know what, um, you know, guys, this, this isn't for me. Like, I don't, I don't want to wonder where my next meal is going to come from. I don't want to try to wonder where I'm going to sleep. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this is for me. I wonder if John Mark just simply thought to himself, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm not willing to pay that kind of price. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not willing to, to pay that kind of price, right? In Luke chapter 14, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to Luke for a second. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus says this. He says, if you're going to build a tower, here's what you need to do. You need to figure out if you have enough money to build the tower. Because if you don't complete the tower, everyone's going to make fun of you. Everyone's going to mock you. Then he says this. If you're going to go to war and you have 10,000 men, but you're facing an army of 20,000 men, you need to figure out if you're going to be able to defeat that army. Because if you can't defeat that army, you better ask for terms of peace. What is Jesus doing in Luke 14? Jesus is asking his disciples, you need to calculate the cost of following me. Calculate the cost of following Jesus. Here's what he says next, Luke 14, In the same way, those of you who do, who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Let's go back to John Mark now. Go back to John Mark. I, I thought to myself, how often do I do this? It's easy for me to point the finger at someone else, but it's not what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to look at ourselves. How often do I do this, right? How often do, do you do this? How often do we just simply choose what is easy, what is comfortable, and what's most convenient over what? Over the calling of God to be a disciple of Jesus. John Mark was like, I'm out, I'm out, man. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. I, you guys are crazy. People are getting into fist fights, like there's riots, like stonings are happening, right? This is like, ah, no, dude, ah, I'm going back, right? I'm not willing to pay that price. I'm not willing to pay the cost, okay? Sometimes we buy into the lie that easier will be better. Come on, hear me out for a minute, church. But let me just say it this way. An easier life doesn't necessarily translate into a better life. Well, it might be, it's going to be easier if I just take this job over here because I'm going to make a little bit of money. I've got the 401k package. I got this. This is really predictable. It's going to be easier for my family. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I'm not talking about what's easier. I'm talking about what's better. What's better, right? Just because your life 
is easier doesn't mean your life will be better. We know that following Jesus at times, listen, will be difficult. At times, there'll be persecution. But in doing so, in following Jesus, you will be blessed. You'll be blessed, right? Because you can have an easier life, but you can be completely dissatisfied with life. You can have an easier life, listen, and be totally unfulfilled. You can have have an easier life and be completely lost and wandering, trying to figure out where you fit in life. And you got it all easy. You got the job. You got the place where you live. Everything's fine. Everything's cute. Instagram looks great. I'm getting all kinds of likes. Listen, but, but you're dissatisfied with life. You're lost. You're wandering. Listen, listen. And Jesus is saying, listen, just because it's easier doesn't mean it's better. Easier doesn't mean better. I wonder if John Mark, listen, I wonder if John Mark in that time just chose what was easy. And I'm not trying to, to, to throw him under the bus, Okay. He, he does redeem himself. I'll show you in a little while. I wonder if John Mark just chose what was convenient in that moment, okay? Here's what I've discovered. And I know I'm not that old. I'm in my 40s. But here's what I've discovered. Prioritizing convenience over calling may result in a missed opportunity from God. Prioritizing convenience over calling may result in a missed opportunity from God. For a moment, listen, it seems like the right thing to do because it's easy. But after a while, when we come to our senses, and hopefully you do come to your senses, listen, we realize that we chose poorly and that perhaps we missed an opportunity to serve God. And after all, listen, nothing else survives but what we do for Christ. Everything else is just wiped away, right? But what we do for Jesus, that's what, that's what lasts. So if that's you, listen, does it mean that you're not saved? No, it doesn't mean that, okay? Does it mean that you'll never have another opportunity? It doesn't mean that either. Does it mean that you're just a complete failure? It doesn't mean that either, right? But let me summarize what I think it does mean. Because this was the verse that the Holy Spirit just like, it jumped out of the pages and it jumped into my heart and that that was it. There's a lot of great things in 13 and 14, but this is the word of the Lord for you today, okay? Okay. Okay, you can read 13 and 14 on your own, and you can get a lot of stuff from it. But this is the word of the Lord for you today, okay? Let me summarize it this way. Two statements. Missed opportunities may cost you time. Missed opportunities may cost you time. Missed opportunities may cost you time. What God was going to do in six months is now going to take six years. What God was promising to do in two years is now going to take four years. What God said, I wanted, to, I wanted to bring you to this point in your life. After four years, you just doubled it. It's going to be eight years now. You're like, ah, no, are you serious? And is it because God is evil? Is it because he hates you? No, it's because he loves you. He's shaping you, forming you, maturing you, right? The children of Israel, they, 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 God had given them a promised land. It it took them 40 years. Do you know how long it was supposed to take them? 11 days. 11 days. Why? Because they they didn't trust God. They didn't trust his goodness, right? They were disobedient. They worshiped false idols. They wanted to do it their own way. They were stubborn. They were were hard-hearted. They were wretched, right? And God's like, well, that's awesome. It's going to take you 40 years wandering in a desert to figure it out. Because he hates them? No, because he loves them. God's like, you're not ready for the promised land. Okay, so listen, missed opportunities may cost you 
time. Number two, missed opportunities may result in wandering. Missed opportunities may result in wandering. Just like the children of Israel, you may, right, you may circle that mountain over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, repeating the same lesson you should have learned five years ago. Right? It may cost you time, and it may result in you wandering, figuring out job to job to job, Hopefully, it's not relationship to relationship, boyfriend to boyfriend to boy. I hope not, but some, for some of you, yeah. Boyfriend to boyfriend, another sexual encounter, another sexual encounter, another sexual encounter, another sexual encounter. Just whoa, just keeps agging up. You just keep wandering and wandering. Why? Because you just want to do it your way. You just want to do your, you just do you, boo-boo, right? That's what, that's what, that's what we say today, isn't it? You just, it's just all about you. The world revolves around you, right? And, and, and so uh, something you should have learned eight years ago, you're still going around that mountain. And God is so patient. He's so kind, right? He, he waits for us, but it, it costs us time, right? Now, here's the good news. Here's the good news, church. We know that eventually John Mark steps into his calling, and he fulfills it. How do we know that? Because tradition shows us and tells us that the second gospel is attributed to John Mark. He wrote it. And because of that, listen, millions, if not billions of people have read the gospel of Mark. And because of that, they've met Jesus and their lives have been transformed. It's not completely over for John Mark. We also know, know this, number two, that Paul speaks of John Mark in a positive light. It's just a little bit later. Here's what he says. Second Timothy 4.11. Paul's writing to Timothy. He says this. Only Luke is with me, okay? He's lonely. He's probably near his death. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Wow. 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 I don't know what happened to John Mark for a season, but there was a season where he was out of it, and there was a season where he came back in, and he was like, I'm in, fellas. Sorry about what happened a couple years ago, <laughs> but I'm in. He jumps back into ministry. God uses him mightily. Philemon 23, 24 says this, Epaphras, this is Paul writing, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so does Mark. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Lucas, and Luke, my fellow workers. You see that? What does Paul call Mark? A fellow worker a fellow worker. He's like, he's with me. He's my team now. He's on my team. He's on Team Paul, right? He's on Team Paul. He's back in the group. He's back in the group. You can bring up that keyboard just a little bit, John. So as, as we close today, we're going to close because I know we went over. There's a lot going on today. As we close today, listen, the, the, the message, the point of the message is not just to beat you down all right, and condemn you and make you feel like a piece of garbage. Okay, that's not the point. My point is this. Listen, if for a season you've wandered off and you've disobeyed God and you screwed up, okay, and you were out of the will of God, if you're here, that is proof that maybe you're on your way back. So let me encourage you to come on back. Let me encourage you to come on back. Let me encourage you to come on back. Come on back. Listen, and don't choose what's easier. Choose what's better. Don't choose what's easier. Choose what's better. Don't choose what's easier. Choose what's better. Right. Yeah, come on. Come on, church. Don't choose what's easier. Choose what's better. 
Yeah, but I, but, but, but this is predictable. Marco, this is the life. I, I, who wants predictable anyways? Come on, come on. Now's the time. Now's the time to just give it all for Jesus, right? Come on, if you haven't figured it out, he's coming back and it's going to happen soon probably. So you might as well just give it all away. You might as well go all in, right? Go all in, right? Just be like, well, I'm going to risk it all. Oh, it's crazy. You're crazy. I'm crazy. We're crazy together. Awesome, right? Just go, just go all in, right? Just go all in. Don't choose what's easier. Choose what's better. I've had to make this decision a thousand million bazillion times. And I can promise you, oh, it's better. Oh, baby, it's so much better. It has not been easier for my wife and I. It hasn't been easier for my kids and I. We paid a, we paid a price. We are paying a price. Oh, but it's so much better. Oh, it's so good, you guys. It's so good. I was ironing my shirts last night like a good husband. And, um, and I was just telling my wife, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I was like, do you ever just like, do you ever just say like, we're so blessed? How, how, how is it that we're so blessed? And she's like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I was like, I don't get it either. I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm like, babe, we're so blessed. I'm like, I don't, I just, it doesn't feel right. I don't, I don't deserve it. And she's like, that's why it's so good, isn't it? Because we don't deserve it. It's so good. He didn't say easier though. He didn't promise me easier. He's not promising you easier either, but he is saying better. He's saying better. He's saying better. And then my second application before we, before we, turn it in here, is this, is maybe you're in the middle of hard. You're in the middle of a hard. You're a believer, and you're in the, you're in the middle of hard, and you're thinking you just want to do it yourself. You're, just, you're, just, you're, you're thinking to yourself, I just want to do it my way. It's just easier. It's, it's more convenient. It's, if I can be honest, Pastor Marco, it's a lot more fun. I just want to do it my way. And I'm just saying, like, yeah, I know, but that's, that's all garbage, though. Listen, it, it might be easier, but it's not better. So choose what's more difficult. I want to just encourage you, if you're in the middle of hard, don't give up and don't give in. Don't give up and don't give in. They're like, I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going to work. And if I, if, I, if I go over here, though, I'm going to work for that nonprofit. That, but that takes me away from this. And I, I, it's going to be hard. I already know it's going to be hard. But guess what? It's going to be better. It's going to be better. But then I would sacrifice my friends. And I don't do that. And then I won't make as much money here. But I, but I, feel, like I'm a, I feel like God's calling me here. Then obey God because it's going to be better. Right? Don't look for easy. Look for better. Right? And so often, listen, I do it myself, so I'm not here trying to be high and mighty like I'm somebody special. So often, we just, we choose what's easy, right? But we neglect what's better. And Jesus says, are you willing to calculate the cost? Follow me. It will be harder. It will be harder. But it'll be better. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you, God for this word, God. God, we thank you, God, that just because it's easier, it doesn't mean it's better. So often, God, from your vantage point, easier is, is not better at all. It's actually worse. And so, God, would you give us the courage? Lord, I pray right now um, for those who have wandered off, maybe they disobeyed, they disobeyed you, they, they, they fell into sin for a season, um, and, and now they're here, but they're coming back. Father, I pray. Father, I pray that you would give them the staying power to stay in the will of God, no longer trying to be satisfied by the world or trying to be satisfied by uh, things of the world, God, but that they might be satisfied in you alone, God. They'd come back to the fold, come back to the local ecclesia, God, where they can find you, know you, 
be restored, be forgiven, be made whole. God, it may cost them time, Lord, but, but you're not done with them yet, God. You're not finished writing their story, God. So, oh, Lord, would you just encourage someone in here? God, that's just a word that I have. I feel like that's in my spirit right now. God is now finished writing your story. Oh, I, somebody needs that this morning. Come on, somebody needs that this morning. God is now finished writing your story. Young woman in here, God, you made some mistakes in the past. God's not finished writing your story. Young man, you wandered for a season. You did things on your own, but God is now finished writing your story. Come on, the Spirit of God would say this morning, God is now finished writing your story. Don't choose what's easier, choose what's better. Don't choose what's easier, choose what's better. And God, I pray for my friends who are in the middle of hardness, of difficult season, Lord, that they would stay true to you, God. Stay true to you. Say, focus on who you are. I know it's tempting to do it their own way. I know it's tempting to do it the non-biblical way, but God, would they do it your way and experience blessing, God, and the promise that the promises that you have given us in your word, Lord. I would thank you for wholeness, forgiveness in Jesus name we pray amen amen listen you guys have been awesome today thank you for staying 15 minutes over I hope it was worth it for you listen this Wednesday night we're going to be praying and worshiping together for an hour and we have experienced the power of God listen um, I think it was John Wesley who said that prayer is the work of the ministry we're not praying for the word Prayer is the work of the ministry, okay? So we're gathering together, and we're going to do it all summer long as well. We're not going to give up on it, even just because it's summer. We would love to see you this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. God bless.